The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. <laughs> so um, what I decided we would do today, which is funny because I was looking at my notes and from uh, the 11th, I had it in my notes to do this anyway, so it kind of worked out, you know. Um, but what I decided we would do is have a discussion today to kind of talk about what we've been going through and, you know, maybe see what's impacted us. So I want everyone to think about that. But we're also going to have some testimonies this morning of, of what discipleship looks like. So um, for anybody visiting or who, you know, has been traveling summertime, right? So we've been here out of town. Um, we, we, uh, we, as a church, got together a few months back. And we just, for a whole service, brainstormed on what we really wanted to look at this coming year or longer. And what we did was we came up with 12 things that we really wanted to study. And uh, we began that going through those. And we started with things like talking about, um, you know, being an ambassador for Christ. And, you know, that kind of looked at uh, evangelism. And then we've wound our way into discipleship. And we've really been talking about discipleship for about on Sunday morning for about five or six weeks now, um, and we've had some really good discussions. Um, and so, again, I want to just kind of, uh, you know, thread that out a little bit this morning and, and open it up to conversation and stuff. But first, I'm going to have a few people come up and tell some stories about their experience with discipleship. And the reason I wanted to do this is I feel like sometimes we kind of put this in a box, right? And we think, oh, there needs to be a program or there needs to be a checklist of how discipleship works. And it's not like that, I don't think, right? Um, and, and there's even the books, right? Uh, discipleship like Paul, discipleship like Peter, discipleship like Jesus. And, um, you know, I don't think there's a, a set method, right? But it's more about being open to God's will and then he works through us in these situations. So I think I'd like to start this morning by asking Ralph to come up and he's going to share a little bit. Yeah. That's a hot mic. I'm hot. Uh, anyways, uh, for most everybody knows who I am, but uh, for those who don't, um, I did about uh, eight years working on the inner city of Tampa in uh, the College Hill area, and um, that was uh, challenging. And I also worked with the homeless in downtown Tampa for about 16 years. And uh, when Kobe asked me about discipleship and stuff like that and how my experiences, I told him, well, brother, you know, I did a lot of discipleship, but I don't have any good stories to tell you. They've all been failures in my eyes because when you, Kobe understands, when you're dealing with people that have life-controlling problems, addictions and drugs and stuff like that, it can be very hard and very difficult. And I had all the programs, you know, um, we'd meet every week and we'd uh, go through John and we'd discuss it and all kinds of, all kinds of programs I did. And, you know, with, with discipleship with Jesus, he lived and worked and traveled with those 12 guys for three and a half years. But nowadays you really can't do that. And it's mostly via social media and stuff like that. But when I was single and working in the street ministry for so many years, uh, over a period of the eight years, I brought 10 men into my house, not all at once, 
anywhere from one day to six weeks. Got them jobs, ministered to them, discipled them every day, made them take showers. Some did not want to take a shower, but uh, no good stories. Everything was just failure, you know, and I don't know what's happening now with them. Maybe the Lord will show me when I get to heaven, hey, look what this happened. But you know what? I discovered this the, the, yesterday. The Lord was speaking to me because I was feeling like, well, I, I don't have anything to say. But the Lord says, you know, all those times when the youth group would come out and we do street evangelism and um, you spoke into their lives, a lot of the youth, and they kind of looked up to you. And so as we go about our ministry that we're doing our daily life, as we speak into other people's lives, they may need that. And uh, you are discipling. And Lord was telling me I was discipling. I just didn't realize it, how I spoke into other people's lives. And this one youth, years later, he come up to me and said, you know, Ralph, when we went out street evangelism, I would go up to people and say, hey, you know, Jesus loves you. And I would pause and wait for the response. And you can imagine you get all kinds of responses at three in the morning. But uh, so we, we met, met at a village inn. Uh, later, uh, all the people that went out on the street, and we'd talk and have coffee and whatever. And as we're going into the village inn, some guy was coming out. I said, hey, man, you know Jesus loves you. And the youth told me, he said, you know what, Ralph? God spoke to me right then that this thing never ends. Because he was saying, when, they, when we did our three, three or four hours on the street witnessing, he was like, phew, I'm glad that's over. And then he saw me still witnessing after it was over at the village inn. And he said, this thing never stops. It's like, I don't do my thing, and then I go back to my life or the world. So <clears throat> the Lord was telling me, even though I have no success stories for the, all the years that I ministered to homeless and drug addicts and stuff, I was discipling, and I didn't even know it. Ralph, it's, so when I, when I was talking to Ralph on the phone about that, um, my, my experience has been very similar. Um, coming out of addiction, most of the people I, I started witnessing to and sharing with early on was, was people who were struggling with addiction, substance abuse addictions. And, um, you know, I've been, <clears throat> I've been sober and, and pursuing this way of life for 11 years. And uh, during that time, six guys, I was sharing this on the phone with Ralph, six guys that I had, you know, mentored, discipled, whatever you want to call it at one point or another, have either OD'd and died, committed suicide, um, died, one of them died in a car wreck, you know, and it's, it's heart-wrenching, you know. Uh, you'll see guys that start to, you, you feel like they're starting to get it, and then they just turn away. And you're wondering, and, and you, put it, you put the burden on yourself, I think I did. What did I do wrong, right? Um, but discipleship, I really think, is about being willing to do what God wants you to do in the moment. And we don't have to know the results. We don't have to know the results, right? Especially with something like street evangelism. Uh, when I first got sober, I was taking a, 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 a message, a meeting into the hospital down in Tampa. And I did it twice a week for, gosh... I don't know, three years, something like that. And uh, I would give my phone number out to guys. Call me, call me anytime. We could talk about God. We could talk about life. We could talk about what I did to stay sober. For years, I gave my phone number out. No one ever called. No one ever called. Not one of the, and I bet I gave my number out a thousand times. You know what I mean? And um, I was at a church one day for an event, and me and one of the guys were going to look for the bathroom. 
And uh, these, these musicians from the church were coming out a side door. And I said, hey, man, where's the bathroom? And he goes, hey, you're that guy that came into the hospital and spoke to us about addictions back in, you know, 09, 2010. He's like, I want you to know that really helped me a lot. You know, it was pretty amazing. So I think sometimes God does give us little, sometimes we need to know, right? Sometimes we need a little something from that. And, it, and that really helped me a lot. Um, I'm going to have uh, Larry come up next, if I could. Um, a few weeks ago, when Tracy was talking, he was talking about discipleship, and he said something from the podium that I've been coming to this church for eight years, and I didn't know. And I wish Keith was here this morning, but he, he, he mentioned, like, just in passing during his message that Keith came to know the Lord through his neighbor, who was Larry. And so I asked Larry if he would share that story this morning. Well... Keith moved in next to my wife and I, Keith and his family. Well, he didn't have kids at the time, but uh, he bought the house right next to us uh, back in the 90s. It was like the mid-90s. And so we started talking, and because we were neighbors, we, we, we talked. You know, Keith, you know, he just likes to talk a lot. So we'd always talk and stuff and all kinds of stuff. Talk, And he knew that we were going to church at the time because every Sunday we'd leave and, you know, stuff like that. And so he was, I was trying to, I invited him to church and all, but, you know, he was hesitant to come. You know, him and his wife didn't go to church at that time. And so things went on for a while, and then what finally made a difference to him, I think, that kind of clicked, and I'm not sure why it was, but one morning, our neighbor across the street from us, his driveway lines up with ours, and for some reason, he had a vehicle in his driveway that came out of, the, out of gear, and it rolled down his driveway across the street, and then my driveway was kind of downhill, and it rolled right down our driveway and crashed into my garage door, and it kind of busted my garage door in. Not bad, but it just bashed it in. And so I came out, and he was out there, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry, everything. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just bend it back out. It's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. And Keith was out there, you know, and he was like, wow, you know. And that impressed him, you know, that I didn't get mad at my neighbor, and I didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't try to make him pay for it and all this kind of stuff. And after that, you know, he just kind of got a little more interested in, you know, Christianity and church. And he started coming to church, you know, back when we were over on the south side of Van Dyke over there. I can't remember what the street was on, but... He started coming to church, and he accepted the Lord and his wife, and then he started coming to uh, Bible studies and that kind of thing. So it just, it just evolved from there, and now you know, his family is all really committed to the Lord and everything. So you just, you just don't know how your life is going to affect people sometimes because they're watching you even though you don't know it all the time. Yeah. I said I'd been coming here all those years, and uh, I knew Keith. Uh, we've done life group with him and, uh, and Larry, and both of them have been very inspirational to me. They've been, had big influences and impacts on my life and in the faith. And uh, I, I just I never knew that until a few weeks ago when Tracy made the offhanded comment. And so I, I said, hey, let's share that this morning. Um, and then I also asked Joan if she would come up this morning and share, because um, I know she spent a lot of time in the, in the missionary field. And um, I don't know what she's going to share. I said, you know, think about it. And take as long as you want and, and share some of your experience with it. I still don't know what I'm going to share. Um, making disciples is not a choice if you're a Christian. Because God said, make disciples. So I, I had better luck away than, than these two men did because I worked in a prison for almost 20 years. And you know, I had time. I had women saying, okay, I'm gonna accept Jesus. I said, oh no, you're not ready yet. Because they try everything and then if it doesn't work, you know, it's no good. 
So, and I coached. You know, you get really close to your team. And I had opportunities to share Jesus with them. Not preach at them, but just live and do devotions and, and coach and say we want to win, but we want to do it God's way. We don't want to be dirty. I mean, I learned in Ecuador, the first games my team played, the other girl gets her foot in front of, of her at the line, and then when the jump ball goes up, she goes like this, and they're on the ground. And it's a way to get down fast. So I, don't, I think it's living life in God's word. And the first thing for me is prayer. If we have a right relationship this way, and we have someone praying for us, and then we begin to become intentional. You know, it's nice to meet someone on the street. It's nice to, to lead someone, I've led someone to the Lord on the plane, and I believe they really accepted the Lord. I'll never know. But someone had to make a disciple of them, or they won't grow. So making a disciple is a long-term investment. And I've always been one that does it more one-on-one. -on -one. And um, God has, has laid on my heart just to share me. One time I remember my son getting upset with me. We were driving across Gator, Gator what is it, Gator Alley? And I was sitting there. He was playing music. We were coming back after my father-in-law passed. We were coming up the interstate, and he said, Mom, that's what you always do. You just can't help but talk about God. I didn't say a word. I had not said one word. I was just listening to his music. But he knew he wasn't doing what God wanted. And I made him nervous, evidently. And I never said a word. But, oh, he opened it up when he did that. And we had a huge conversation about and he said to me something that I will never forget. He said, your DNA is God. Your DNA, and I, whose family are we in? My DNA does come from my father, the Lord. And so that's when I began to realize that just live life. But be sure you have someone praying for you. We need mentors. And then we become mentors. And then we make disciples. And then our disciples go and make disciples. And um, I've been in this church for a few years. And I was working for Patty. And one of the opportunities I had, there was a gal that worked for us, with us. And I said to Patty one time, yeah, I don't get along with her very well. And we became friends. And I began to be intentional about witnessing to Suzanne without the Bible, without anything but let's go out for lunch today. Let's uh, go shopping. She's a great shopper. I just follow her around. <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. Come on over and watch the movie. And we began to become Friends, you know, being a disciple and making disciples is relational. 
It is not, oh, I want you to pray the prayer. I know we've all heard people who pray the prayer, and I'm saved, and they go out, and no one disciples them, and it's pretty much over. So we began to do things together. We took clients out, and I kept talking to her, and Patty was inviting her to church. I never mentioned church. Um, and we were at Dunkin' Donuts down here in 54, and she had for months been asking me questions. And we were sitting there with two clients, and I said to her, Suzanne, I know you have a lot of problems. She had a lot of debts. She had her, she was divorced. She had all these issues. I said, Suzanne, quit worrying about the issues. You have to make a decision. It's time to draw in the net. I don't know if you've ever gone fishing, but if you use a net, they all get there. And if you don't draw it in, they all get away. And I said, you need to say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus. And she thought a few minutes, and she said, well, I'd have to tell my parents, and they're not believers. I'd have to tell my son, quit worrying about all the details. That's Satan in your mind. You have to accept Jesus. And she said, that's what I want to do. And we prayed. Had nothing to do with me. I'm a vessel. I couldn't begin to tell you what I said. She's told me many times things I've said. I didn't even know it. Because the Holy Spirit works through us. And I, as we finished, we prayed. And she said, so now I'm a Christian. I said, yes. But I want to tell you something. The first thing you need to do is to tell somebody. That's the hardest thing, but that gets us on that road. And we were going to the bowling alley with a bunch of people. She had her car, I had mine. She got there first. And she walked into the bowling alley and was telling everyone, I'm a believer, I accepted Jesus. I accepted Jesus. She told the people that ran the bowling alley. And from there, she began to grow. And from there, I began to disciple. And she was in this church for a while. She came to our life group. She helped me in the, life, in the ministry. Her husband came down. She was sick, and she convinced him to go to church. He accepted Jesus. Came home and told her, I think I made a mistake. I was on the way home, and I didn't get baptized. I want to get all in. And the next Sunday, they went to church, and he was baptized. They're growing. They're, she's flying. I'm no longer a discipler with her. I am a sister in Christ. And we share what God's doing, and she's sharing. That's what discipling is, just being yourself. There's a group of us from here at church, four ladies. Every day we do God, we do devotions together online, and we write what we think. Alex is in it. Darcy's in it. They're not here today. I'm in it, and Laura's in it. We have done it for over a year, almost two years, every single day. And I want you to know, I am growing because of them. And they are growing because of me. And we have to be intentional. And I think we have some copies here, so if anybody wants a copy, let me know afterwards. Uh, I want to thank everybody for sharing. Um, let's have a quick prayer, and then, like I said, I want um, to have a little discussion here amongst us before we go home today. 
Heavenly Father, I just ask that um, I just ask that what's been shared um, permeates in our lives. God, that you help us to get rid of the things that we're holding on to that may be incorrect beliefs about how this discipleship thing works. And I ask that uh, you can uh, help us to glean some truth from what's been shared this morning and see maybe how to, how to approach it, how to, how to let it work in our lives. And I, and I loved some of the key words there that Joan shared about relational and intentional. And um, I, I just, I just it's, it's so easy to get overwhelmed um, in the faith. And, you know, it's this, we're serving you, God, a God that's so big and so perfect and beautiful and, and magnificent. And it's, it's easy to get lost in the, in the theology and the and the, uh, just the complexity of it, God. So I ask you to help us to individually each focus on what it is you have before us at this moment and you know, adapt that to our lives so that we can better serve your will, better serve your kingdom, uh, and better give back to you, God. Um, our ultimate goal, um, Tracy said it a few weeks ago, is to learn who you are and then share that knowledge with others right? Because it's the ultimate truth. Uh, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And I just I want to ask you to be with us there in this next part of the uh, 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 worship service this morning. Amen. So um, who, who wants to run a mic for me? Any volunteers? <clears throat> oh, thank you. So we've been talking about discipleship for several weeks, and I've been taking notes on the weeks that I've been here. Um, and a few things that, that, that was said that really struck me and impacted me, I figured we could start with. Um, so a lot of what we've been sharing comes out of the Great Commission, right, which I'll just read real quick, uh, which is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Uh, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. About four or five weeks ago, Tracy was teaching, and he said that in the Great Commission, the only direct command is to make disciples, which is really interesting, right? We were teaching through um, the passage out of 2 Corinthians 5 um, that says that we're ambassadors of the ministry of reconciliation, right? We've been talking about evangelism and, and how that's a command for everyone, right? So if we know that this is a command, if we see that this is a direct command, then why don't we all practice it every day, right? Why don't we all practice it every day if we know that that's what God wants for us? Any thoughts, any ideas? Told you guys I need your help today. There we go. Sometimes we don't leave our house. Sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes, like when I work, I work in a Christian school. I do work with clients, but both of them are believers. Um, so I don't a lot of times have opportunity. Okay, that's all. Yeah. Don't always have opportunity. 
I think some of it, too, is what we were talking about earlier, that we have maybe put it in a box that we've defined it a certain way instead of letting it be a little bit more organic. Um, and so um, if, if we have certain parameters on it and those parameters aren't met, we're not going to walk it out, right? We're not going to just mention it in passing. Um, so over the last few weeks, we also spent some time really defining disciple, discipleship, talking about what it means. And I think that's really important because um, uh, there was a quote that uh, Tracy said that we can't make disciples without being a disciple of Jesus uh, and that we can't do that unless we know him, right? So there's this natural progression and Joan alluded to it, right? Uh, so when I was in 11th grade, I was getting in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. And my mom took me out of public school and she put me in a private Christian school. And for those of you that know my story, know that I didn't come to the faith until I was 30 years old, which means that that year in 11th grade did not save me, right? I actually probably did more harm to the school than it did me good, but that's a story for another time. Um, but I remember they had, the, they had the chapel once a week. And I remember one Wednesday being down in the chapel. And I mean, this guy was on fire up in the pulpit, right? And he was scaring me with what he was sharing, and, and it basically alluded to that, you know, if you don't come down front right now and accept Jesus, that you're not going to get another chance because you have this chance right now. And if you don't take it, then you're going to be lost forever. Right. And I was scared, man, you know. And so I waited till about 20 or 30 other people got up because I wasn't going to be the first one. Right. Because that's not cool. And then I followed them down there. So I went down there and I said that prayer. And I remember for years as an atheist, not believing in God, thinking, oh, well, if there is something, I'm good anyway because of that moment. And I loved what Jones said, right? Because I think the fallacy in that is that if I accept something, but I don't know what I'm accepting, what am I accepting? If I'm saying that I believe in Jesus, but I don't know who this Jesus is, what am I believing in, right? And so there has to be this knowledge, I love the story she just shared. Um, Suzanne came here for a while, so some of us know Suzanne and her family. I even spent some time with her son, Will. And um, I think, I think uh, even the story that Larry shared about him and Keith, hearing these discipleship stories and then seeing the fruit and seeing how it played out is really, uh, really important um, because it's not just an abstract thought or idea anymore, right? We can hear stories about all over the world, but seeing it in people that we know and love and that have impacted our lives, like, like Keith has impacted mine, like Larry has impacted mine, um, helps, helps us to flesh it out. Um, but if it was just, hey, Keith, make, say this prayer without the talking about who God is and why we need to be saved, right? Because I didn't know why I needed to be saved. Um, and, and that's what discipleship is for, is to flesh that stuff out. Um, so... Any thoughts on that big idea that we're discussing? One of the key, uh, the, key th the key concepts that have came out of the last several weeks being that you can't be a disciple, uh, you can't make disciples without being a disciple and knowing who it is that we're serving under. Any thoughts or ideas spoke to you guys out of that over the last few weeks? Where's all my participation people this morning? Anyone? All right. Thanks, guys. Um, 
so let me ask you guys, who, who's doing discipleship right now? Does anybody have uh, an example they want to share right now? Who's working with someone right now? Who's interacting with someone at work? Who's got somebody they're meeting together and going through those points with right now? Anybody? <coughs> I, I just want to mention something that happened to me like probably two weeks ago. Everybody knows here that I'm, I'm a teacher. I teach refugees. And um, my students were like very sad because they, they go through a lot of stuff trying to adapt to the country and all of that. So, um, you know, I was teaching, but they were like almost in tears, most of them. And I felt, you know, the voice of the Lord telling me, you need to pray for them. But um, I work with Hillsborough County, and you are not allowed to pray with your students in class. So when the class was over, I, I, I asked my students, would you like to stay? And I want to pray for you. And I said, but if you don't want to stay here, you're welcome to leave the, the room. And all of them stayed, and we all held hands, and I was able to pray for each one of them. So, you know, when, when you have a relationship with the Lord, I think that the Lord speaks to you and finds the right time to help people. That's awesome. Anybody else? Or right over here, Stephanie. I wouldn't say I'm discipling one person or, or group of people per se, but um, in our community, we have started a, uh, a community prayer walk. And, and we've, it's, it's, a, it's an outreach as well. But what I have found, you were talking about duplication before. We are called to be disciples, to disciple, to, to disciple. Um, what we have found by starting the prayer walk on every first Sunday, we, we walk the community. There's like 688 houses in the community, and we, we try to get to all of them as best we can. Um, and what we've found is that some people come out and they've, they've asked us what we're doing, and we, you know, we've been able to minister and explain why we're doing and what we're doing. Twice a year, what we're trying to do is do a, um, an outreach where we, we gift everybody something, but we have a, a touch card with it that says that we're the community prayer walk team and we pray every first Sunday and um, and we'll give them something with our contact information and just a word that will bless them. And we've had reactions from that. People in the community have posted on the Facebook page or wherever it was, they've, they've spoken to somebody on the team saying that how they appreciated that. Um, but also, for me, the, the, the greatest part of it is that the actual team that goes out walking, um, a friend of mine, I, I mentioned it to her, that's not in our community, and she took it to her pastor, and now their church wants to adopt something similar in that area and pray for the community around their church. Another lady who comes out to pray with us, she said that um, the same thing, that she wants to um, mention it to her church and her pastor. And, and, and so from that group, and I mean, there's only probably eight to ten of us that, that come out regularly at the moment, but from that, we've seen already that the idea has been adopted by somebody else who's taken it to their church, they've taken it to somebody, another area, um, and, you know, what would be awesome is to see the next community doing the same thing, and then the next community doing the same thing, and, and so that's how it spreads. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I mentioned we a lot of us, I think, have an idea of what discipleship is, and we have it in a box. And I think a lot of us, a lot of times, we think, oh, it's one person meeting with one person, and they're sitting down, and they're going through the Bible. 
Tracy said something, and I forgive me, I can't remember if he said it up here or if he said it maybe on Friday morning or if he said it when it was just him and I talking, but he said, discipleship starts with your first conversation with that person, right? That person doesn't know that you're entering this discipleship relationship, right? Only God knows that. But in the way we live and in the way we act and in the way we speak, that should be, uh, we should be carrying uh, God with us. Um, And I say that because we've heard a bunch of stories this morning and we've heard Ralph talking about a youth night with a bunch of kids. He wasn't sitting down with them one-on-one, but he was discipling each and every one of them in that moment, right? Uh, when they were in the mission field, when, when Joan and her husband were in the mission field, right? They were interacting with lots of people. Maybe they weren't meeting with each and every person individually, talking about, you know, the doctrine of grace and, you know, uh, how it works and why we need to be saved and what salvation is and what sanctification is. But when they were living their lives in those parts of the world, they were showing, they were discipling those people groups while that was happening. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's real easy to just kind of think, I have to be doing it just like this, and if I'm not doing it that way, but what we want to happen, uh, and this is what, you know, I was, I've been preparing my message on that I, that I didn't finish for this week, but it, it has to become a part of our lives so that it's organic, Right? It has to become a part of our lives so that it's just happening without us setting out this foundation and trying to say, oh, I've got to go and do this today. It just happens, right? When we interact with our children at home, right? When they see us praying. Um, I, uh, when I was living in Zephyr Hills and I was over at the other church there, I went up to the park one day to, to walk around the track or, or to, to jog or whatever. And I saw this old guy from our church there and he was sitting on the bench and he had a sign that said, free prayer. So he was being intentional. He went up to the park. He put the sign there because he knew people were hurting and that they would come up and say, I want you to pray for this. Me and him went and did that for the rest of the time I lived in Zephyr Hills, right? And it was so fulfilling. Uh, And every single time, every single time, God would bring someone to us that didn't know the word, that didn't know what, you know, didn't know why they were feeling the way they were feeling and that needed something every single time that we went out there. And that was discipleship. I can't tell you most of those people's names. I only dealt with them one time, and that was it, right? But we were, we were making our, uh, we were walking out what God wanted us to walk out. We were being intentional by setting apart that time to go out to the park on that day, you know, once a week or, or when we could. Um, so I think that we have to just kind of smash some of those ideas, and we have to know God as well as we can, right? And how do we do that? He gave us his word, right? So we stay in his word, we get to know him more and more and more, and it's going to become more natural. Um, The other thing we have to do is fight what it talks about in the word, which is, you know, the spirit of the age, uh, self, right? The selfishness of, 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 uh, that, that distracts us from him, that distracts us from what it is God wants us to do, uh, because it's, it's hard work, right? I, I don't think Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me because it was going to be real easy, real simple. But the more we know him, the more we can act this, the more we're going to be able to walk it out and it be a way of life just like breathing rather than this complicated program that we have to accomplish. Um, does anybody else have any thoughts or anything they want to share uh, from what we've discussed the last five or six weeks on discipleship, on a, being an ambassador for Christ um, this morning before we close up?
Joan. Well, I think that discipleship is many different things. And in God's word, he said, some plant the seed, some water the seed, and some have a harvest. It's not just you have to be like this or that. Some people are very quiet, and they quietly have a very strong testimony and help people quietly. Others have the ability to just start talking with someone. And so I think it's important for us to realize that each one of us are disciples if we've accepted Jesus. And he uses us in different ways. I, I met a neighbor in my neighbor a neighbor in my neighborhood when I was walking recently, my granddog was with me, and he had to go out. And it was early in the morning, and she came around the corner, and she stopped and she said, hi, how are you? And I said, I'm fine, I'm taking the dog for a walk. She said, yeah, I walk in the morning, I go to work, and my name's Rosa, and I said, oh, where are you from originally? And she said, um, Colombia. I said, oh, I lived in Ecuador for 32 years. And she began to tell me about her church and all these things. And she said, so what did you do as a missionary? I said, I shared Jesus with people. And she, she said, well, I've never read the Bible. Um, we had to go to work, and I left her. But I planned to go back because this Bible tells you who is God, who is Jesus. It tells you in the front of it. It's great, and you can give it out. And then you just say, read it. I'll get back with you. We can have coffee or something. And it's a way to plant the seed. And so I just, I just think that everyone in here is a disciple, and everyone's doing just as much as the other if we just let God work. I just want to thank you. It's been a real encouragement this morning to hear the testimonies because I've been, I sometimes get discouraged in my neighborhood. I said, oh, here, read the Bible. I've shared the word or encourage people to read the Bible. And the Lord has just said, just love them. Bake cookies. I make bread. I take it over. I take somebody's garbage. And it's really discouraging when somebody, when I say, let me give you the Bible. Nope. Shut the door. And then I think I'm going to love them anyway. And I like the idea that discipleship isn't a certain way. It's living life in Christ. It's loving people, loving God, and being a, a good testimony. And this has been a real encouragement for me today. Thank you. Thank you, Melda. <clears throat> and I, right back there, too. So it's kind of a frustration that I work in a secular environment, so um, I'm very free to talk about people want to identify themselves as whatever gender, but I can't really talk about faith. <laughs> so, but luckily, one of the things that we always ask as we're asking medical histories, we ask their legal history, and we get to ask, you know, your spiritual beliefs. So um, after 20 years, I actually am very OCD, and I actually keep it in their note forevermore. If they open that door and they at all let me know that they have ever even had an inkling of faith, I keep it in their note 
every single month for the last 20 years, and any chance I get, I try to sprinkle more water and fertilizer. <laughs> and one thing that I just want you guys to know too, over that 20 years, definitely there were some, um, some of our clients that were struggling, lots of addiction, lots of legal issues, and it's so beautiful to see that so many of them, they get themselves turned back around, they're thriving, they're back in you know, fellowship with the Lord. So sometimes I think like Joan was saying, you all may have planted seeds that you don't even know have really, really flourished. And so I'm blessed by that. Um, so I just wanted to share that encouragement too. Yeah, and I, and I do believe that discipleship is us getting together and working with people one-on-one -on -one and going. I didn't want to leave the wrong impression there. I do think it's very important to make sure that we're doing the one-on-one -on -one stuff, but I think it's also important to be willing and open and readily available in the moment, right? The more pent up I am with things like resentment or selfishness or, or bitterness, the more it's going to distract me in any given moment when I'm in the store, when I'm walking in the neighborhood, when I'm you know, talking to a coworker, and, and, and I'm not going to be um, a, aware in the moment that God's wanting me to move in that moment. And so that's, that's what we got to strive for. So as, as we close, let's just ask God for help with that. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, it's, uh, it's your will that we should know you and that we should love you and we should pursue you. Your word talks over and over again about how our relationship with you is supposed to be like a husband and wife and like a father and a child and these very deep, intimate relationships. And you tell us to, to then turn around and take that same relationship and share it with others so that they can have that relationship with you. So you've not only adopted us, but you're allowing us to invite others, other orphans into your family to no longer be orphans. God, it's, it's overwhelming, it's frustrating um, just what all's going on out here outside these doors, and it's easy to come together and open your word as a group of believers, but I, I ask that you give us strength, that you give us awareness, that you give us willingness to walk in it and serve you when we're outside the doors as well. God, I've, what I pray is that you encourage us so much, that you draw us to you so much, that that we just, we see an overabundance of people that come to know you through the lives that have been saved here in this church building this morning. And I ask that you guide us to love, to, to give, to sacrifice, and to share what you've done through your love and sacrifice and giving. Uh, I'm so grateful um, for the life I have today uh, compared to where I was headed and, and what the outcome looked like it was going to be. I'm so grateful for uh, the children you've given me and the family you've given me and uh, even the church home and family you've given me here, God. And I just ask that we encourage each other, that we love each other, and that we help do your work of the kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, everybody. Continue to pray for each other. Continue to pray for Tracy. And uh, see you all next week.